and we're here with a very special guest on the Boulevard Willis today. Returning again, special guest star Alyssa Marr. Welcome back to the blog. Yay! Thanks and for having me. And this Thanks is a great for returning. And this is a great episode to have a special guest star with. Um, we're at episode thirteen. Uh, Crazy five. love. Crazy love. And our special guest star in this episode is none other than Chad Lowe, which I applauded. When did, did you like literally? Yeah, I did. Any winner, Chad Lowe. Anthony, Anthony watched it with me today, and he was like, and I was like, Chad Lowe is in it, and he's like, who's that? I'm like, shut up. Yeah, who? I thought you were gonna say he said, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you remember like? Three quarters of the way through, I was like, "Where's Chad Lowe?" Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> we it. I was like, "Why is Chad Lowe gonna appear?" Well, he was more excited about Chad Lowe's assistant or butler, or I guess. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get to that too. Because um, he's like, "Oh, he's that guy, the guy, the guy who does all the sci-fi shows." I was like, "I have no idea what you're talking about," but okay, but Chad Lowe. <laughs> but Chad Lowe, Emmy winner, Chad Lowe. So. Um, I guess we start at the beginning. Uh, yeah, I took no notes. Tell me what happened. Okay. I can I can guide us through. Um, well, we start with Jane coming back to Melrose again, right? Yes, I think you're right. And she has her mom in tow. So, right. So they had that weird moment at the end of last week where Donna Mills, as Sherry, Jane's birth mom, kind of admitted that, like, she is, like, this weak woman who is not what she pretended to be. So they have sort of a rapport now. So Jane brings, uh, we should also say this is the Christmas episode. So everything is going to have Christmas decorations and feel either hopeful and touchy-feely and fuzzy or disastrous because it is, we are the end of the year. So they have to do something nice or something dramatic with a capital dram. Except this um, scene, this particular, the cold open, did you notice there were no Christmas decorations up? And then the next scene that took place in the courtyard, all the Christmas bling was out. I may not have noticed that. I may have forgotten all about it. And then in that second scene, been like, I think this is the Christmas episode. And yeah, of course, because of that stuff would only be up for the one. Yeah. Um, so no, I didn't notice in the beginning. But yeah, I guess it, that I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, so Sherry comes to Melrose with Jane and and so Sid comes down the stairs and uh, you know Sid is not happy with the way Jane is acting and the way Jane has rejected her and Sid also has her own stuff going on and she really wants to talk to Jane and and Jane's like okay Sid we'll figure this out later and she brings Donna Mills into her apartment which is well, probably bigger than Donna Mills apartment yeah, and but I mean, I, I know I'm jumping ahead here, but since we're talking about apartment size, okay, so she invites Donna Mills to stay with her for Christmas, as though they're going away for Christmas, but she's just staying in Jane's apartment. But what's Sam going to do? How many people can realistically fit in Jane's apartment? Like, what is going on with Jane's apartment? It's it's like Hermione's bag in the I last have another, Harry Potter. I have she, another question expands? about, is Jane's apartment a one-bedroom or a two-bedroom? I thought it was a two. I mean, I it logically, one. logically, it's a two bedroom because why else would Sam live there and pay rent? But have we ever seen Sam's bedroom? No, no. And do you remember when Sid was staying with Jane? 
she, she had, had to stay, yeah, on stay on the couch. Oh, that was what I was going to say next. Exactly. And then when oh, Michael broke his leg or whatever it was, and he had to stay, oh, that's right. He stayed on a pullout sofa. It's a one bedroom. We don't know where Sam lives. We don't know where Sam sleeps. <laughs> and the cupboard under the stairs, apparently. I would watch that if we could see that. That would be my favorite new episode of the season. <laughs> are any are any of the bedrooms or any of the apartments in Melrose two bedroom? Because remember when. Yes. Billy and well, Allison was. Well, that's right. Because remember when Amanda had a share with Sydney, and she's like, "Sydney, you have to sleep on the couch." Yeah. Sydney's apartment. Right. I knew. I knew that Sid's was a one bedroom, and, and I think Rhonda. the other one upstairs that um. Rhonda that and Billy what's her had. name? Rhonda and what's her name had the two bedroom. Sandy. I don't remember her name. Sandy. Because they were so roommates. Is that the one that is that the one that Joe took over? It must have been because apparently Joe's is a two bedroom, even though who knew oh, that? Oh, right. Because that's where Kyle and Taylor live. But I who think knew that that was ever bedroom. a two bedroom? I think, I think Rhonda and Sandy had their own apartments. And when Sandy left, Joe moved in. And Rhonda lived where Billy and Brooke moved in. Or no, Rhonda probably lived where Sid ended up moving in. No, I swear Rhonda and, and Sandy were roommates. We'll have to do a little research. Well, the only thing we have to go back. We are we are now terrible experts on the show. But what? But so Sandy left mid first season, and then Joe moved in. But I swear that Joe moved in, and it was her own apartment, which is why I think Rhonda had her own place. Oh well, okay. You know what? I'm going to fire up the Google, and I'm going to see. Maybe there's a Quora where Sandy and Rhonda roommates on Melrose Place. And whoever has actually created this that you're looking up um, is someone that I want. To meet and Yeah, here we go. We have a list of Melrose Place characters on Wikipedia. There's a wiki for this. And it says, Rhonda is a fitness instructor. She is also Sandy's roommate and Matt's confidant. <laughs> Matt's confidant. So, when Sandy left, did Joe move into an open apartment and Rhonda just kept the two-bedroom to herself? Apparently, yes. Okay. But Joe's apartment, I do remember at one point, Joe, Joe's apartment was a two-bedroom because Sydney's because the friend... Dark room. Well, well, I thought the dark room was the bathroom, was the bathroom, but then Sydney's friend came and she needed a place to stay with the kid, uh, and they had, yeah. and she was like, you can stay in my second bedroom. And I was like, that was news to us, too, that she had a second bedroom, because the dark room was in the bathroom. Because I always thought the dark room was the bathroom and it was a one-bedroom, but maybe not. Yeah, well, they're playing fast and loose with the number of bedrooms in Melrose Place, I'm feeling. I know. I like, I like how we're going as though, like, they don't retcon shit all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's but I have, a different, I have a different complaint slash observation about okay. this first scene. And then we should really move along. But okay. um, So Sherry comes to Jane's apartment and finds a photo that Jane has framed of Jane <laughs> with her parents. Mm. Alyssa knows where I'm going with this. Did you notice anything about this photo by chance? I couldn't even see it. Okay. This photo is a photo of Jane stepping out of the taxi cab that brought her to her parents' house when she visited them two episodes ago. She's wearing that same outfit with the hat. She's literally, like, just gotten out of the cab. It's a still that they used from, like, two episodes earlier, and they filled uh, a picture frame with it. Because also, who else in that house would have even taken a photo of her getting out of the cab from the airport? It's like a paparazzi photo. Yeah. 
there's not paparazzi in like those Chicago. But I'm just saying, it's like you know, oh, the you know, stars you know, are just like it's us. It's not like they it's drive... a photo from her wedding or right. a college graduation or a Christmas dinner or anything. It's literally the photo is Jane got out of the cab on her way back from Ohio. <laughs> and the parents are not even looking straight at the camera. No, they're like looking at the house. <laughs> That's what he said. It's like a paparazzi photo. I missed. I didn't even say. I couldn't see it. It could have been. I mean, it could have been a picture of the three of us for all I could see. I really, I like, literally could not see what was on that photo. I'm old, guys. I have a, my eyesight's going. My hearing's going. Yeah, that's that's what I spend my my eagle eye looking at. <laughs> Next stop, nursing home. <laughs> for me or you? For me. The answer's the same for both. Okay. Um, okay, so Jane keeps asking more questions about her biological father and um sherry's like what do you want me to say he was a stuntman and he died and so we're like okay but there'll be more we might as well just keep going through all the jane stuff because it ends up yeah. being like it doesn't you know it doesn't really go anywhere really yeah. No. yeah um so then the next scene is at sherry's right because Ed comes over. Yeah, because they're going to pack up. Now, do you do you have a sense, though, through this? Like, like Jane's being super pushy with this woman. She is. Yeah, yeah she's, she's being unreasonable. She's being so selfish. She didn't take into consideration her adoptive parents' feelings. She doesn't care about Sydney. She doesn't care about... What is um, Donna Mills' character's name? Sherry. Sherry. Sherry Doucette, right? Yeah. Who's had 30 years of not being Jane's mom and I has her own she- life. She also harasses that poor man in that, uh... Oh, in the that, memorabilia shop? Yeah. Yeah, she's being... I mean, I, I just felt like, you know, she's like, well, and then we're going to stop and get a Christmas tree, and we're going to yeah. decorate it, and we're going to drink hot chocolate, and we're going to sing carols, and it was like, wow, this is really overwhelming. If this was my child I gave up for adoption 30 years ago, suddenly waltzed into my life, and was like, we're going to do all the things at Christmas time that I used to do when I was a kid with the parents you left me for. Like, I would just be like, oh my God, go back to Chicago, kid. No wonder I got rid of you. I know. Well, there's two things here. And the first thing is, we're not getting any of these cathartic moments that Jane keeps pushing for with her by, with her adoptive parents. And that's what we really should get at some point. But we just don't. Because all we get is a very quick scene with her mom right before her gallbladder appointment being like i never told you this but now the cat's out of the bag i have to explain you're adopted and then her dad sits on the like bench in the front yard and he's like sydney's not adopted you are we still love you and that's like it yeah that's it and so and and so jane keeps like pushing to create this new relationship with the birth mother she never even knew about but jane had a perfectly fine upbringing Jane had a yeah. nice life. It would be one thing if poor damaged Allison suddenly found this out on top of all of those other revelations and she was trying to wash away the past by creating a new present. But Jane had a nice life. Jane's just being a selfish asshole. Yes. Yes. With the exception of Sid. I mean, Sid did steal her man. Well, and, and with paralyzed the exception her. of Michael. Yeah. And paralyzed her. Yeah. And tried to kill her. And, and, yeah. and. But, yeah, but, I mean, you know, I, but yeah, I truthfully, that, that wasn't her up, the fault of her upbringing. You know? Correct. I mean, like, presumably, through college and that first marriage, she, like, the beginning of it, like, she had a nice life. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like poor Allison, whose father molested her, you know, right. like. It wasn't, it wasn't like Allison was adopted out and then ended up being in an abusive household. 
she, right. like Jane was adopted and had a really nice ha- uh, upbringing, a nice house and all of that, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah, and, and now she's just like throwing it all away for this woman who it turns out is a pathological liar. Story after story after yeah. story. She just makes up stuff. And this is the thing. I don't understand where we're going with this. Are we just setting up that her mom is a liar? Like, where where is this going? So anyway, I, I'm I, again, I'm getting ahead, but it, yeah, okay. so it, it was frustrating me. Let's catch up to the lies. But like you said, so they're at Sherry's to pack up some of her stuff so that she can come and sleep on Jane's floor for the holidays. Right. And, um, and then uh, Ed, the neighbor, comes over. Ed is a well-known character actor named Stephen Mocked. His son Gabriel is best known for being on the show Suits, um, which is where Meghan Markle got her right. signature role before she got her new one. Um, and Sherry passes Jane off as her niece to Ed, who is clearly smitten with Sherry. Um, and after he leaves, Jane asks, and she's like, I'm doing it for my own vanity. You know, I don't want people to know that I'm old enough to have a daughter as old as you, which is like, uh, I mean, Donna Mills, you do look terrific, but you're not fooling anyone. Like, just it's just lies, 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 lies. Um, (laughs) But it's also something else. And Alyssa can attest to this because recently we rewatched, I rewatched She for the first time, the movie Soap Dish with Sally Field and Elizabeth Shue. I feel like I might not have seen that. Okay, well, I'm not going to spoil anything outright. But I will say, basically, the storyline and the lies that Sherry is telling mimics some of the stuff that happens in Soap Dish. Interesting. Small tangent. Alyssa, what did you say about Elizabeth Shue while we watched Soap Dish? Makes the same Billy faces. She looks just like her brother in that movie and makes the same Stupid faces. Interesting. She's just, yes, she's a better actress than her brother, but it's just his genetic makeup. The faces. The faces. The duck faces. The duck face. The duck face. Okay. Um, And there's another scene with uh, Jane and Sherry, and Jane keeps asking about the stuntman, and Sherry's like, all right, here's the real truth. He was just a producer that I slept with for a part. Um, And then I went home and had the baby and became a secretary. Um, Not a secretary. I know. I know, right? Um, And I guess then after a little bit, she put the baby up for adoption so she could come back to California, right? Well, wasn't there a story about her Her sister was... Her parents were, like, disappointed in her. Yeah. There was shame. Yeah, there was disappointment and shame. Something about her sister. I don't remember about the sister. I kind of tuned the whole thing out because I was like, oh, look, Sherry's lying again. It's it's all very cliche. It's totally cliche. And I think this is the truth. I think we've gotten to the real truth. But it doesn't really matter because the first thing we know about Sherry is that she had Jane and put Jane up for adoption, which ultimately has not changed. So, like... These lies don't really matter, but Jane forgives her, and it's like she keeps getting closer and closer to Sherry, but who cares? Yeah. I will say, I'm happy to see Donna Mills, and was happy to see her in this role, because I've always liked her, and she was well cast, but it's a dumb part. It is a dumb part. And is this going to continue? Are we done yet? Like, I just We're feel not like done. this is going We're nowhere. We're not done, but I feel like there's two episodes left. Ugh. 
I think I think there's a whole thing in the next episode about Sherry like falling off the wagon or going on a bender because like the guilt has resurfaced within her or something. Well, yeah, because Jane's harassing her. I would drink it. <laughs> I would drink too. And if I knew about some of Jane's streak of bad luck, I'd really drink. Well, yeah, she should run like hell, truly. Because, yeah. I mean, Jane is like, you know, bad juju. Anyway. Yeah, definitely, definitely a Debbie Downer. And that's it for Jane. Thank God. Um, I guess we can go to Allison and Jake because honestly, all, yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, because we're in 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. really nothing. Really, yeah. really nothing. So Allison is pouty at Shooters. Because it's busy. Because, well, because it's Christmas. And, she's and it's like, well, no, because there's no, because I guess since Matt quit, she's the only wait, uh, the only person on the wait staff. They need Sydney to come back. Right? Well, now she's, Sydney's doing Sydney's 25 other jobs. <laughs> she's running the, she's running the clothing store. She's made her D. She's doing charity events. She's, she's selling paintings. She's selling paintings. <laughs> But yes, that's what that's what Allison is um, mad about. Which Jake's solution to that is like, okay, next drink for everyone is on the house, which doesn't make any sense. But it doesn't help because that makes it them. worse. That makes it worse. But she um, is she is also unhappy though because everyone is merry and she is a bah humbug. She's a big bah humbug. And, okay, so this is a bit of a retcon in itself because she's like, the holidays were never fun for me because, you know, my family was always so cold. And, and it's like, but but we're to believe that growing up, those holidays were not bad for you because you didn't remember it that way. Cause well, you, she was sexually abused, though. So. But she didn't. But she didn't seem to think of it that way during those years. Is my understanding. It's only now that it has come back to her. Well, you could say, like, you know, it was, she could be thinking, like, oh, it was all a lie, and she just has bad memories of everything in her childhood. I'd, I'd buy it. All right. Yeah, Let's that didn't disturb me as much as Jane sort of being, you know... Selfish. and Selfish and ridiculous with her birth mother. Um, so, yeah, so Allison is a bah humbug, so Jake decides that he is going to surprise her with the trip he was going to give her on Christmas Day. They're going to go early and spend Christmas in Park City, Utah, going skiing. Is he right. just closing down shooters? I guess. This <laughs> didn't solve any problem. He'll just they'll leave the door open and just be like, hey, guys, drink for the holidays. Where is all of L.A. going to go drink now if shooters is closed? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Shooters never has any downtime. Like, it makes money hand over fist. And wasn't it just, like, three weeks ago that Jake was struggling so bad he needed to get a loan from the loan shark to keep the place open? <laughs> oh, that that's, is like, like, a year ago. Yeah, but that is, like, my favorite like, storyline that just story dropped. <laughs> but also, before then, that was because, what was her name? Shelly? Yes. Shelly Robson? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that went nowhere either. So, yes, I bring that up all the time. <laughs> shark, the lone shark. Oh, boy. So, um, so even though they're in Park City and they're skiing, well, the airline lost their luggage, but they've got this beautiful cabin with a fire going, and it's all very twee. And um, 
and and Allison's still a bah humbug. And so Jake's like, we'll make our own traditions and come well, to Jake, Park City. Well, Jake is also like, yeah, I had bad memories too. Yeah. Like my mom was a drunk and she'd go out on Christmas Day to get a turkey and come back like three sheets to the wind. So we're going to make our own memories. And it's like, um, I like a scene like that with these two people, but everyone else has like full storylines going on and all you give us is this. They really have nothing going on. Well, here's my question, because I feel like we got a really nice setup leading into Allison falling off the wagon. Um, n- no, that's oh. not where we're going with this. Well, but, I mean, that would have been perfect. But there is drama to come with them in the latter half of the season. So you may look back on the first half fondly when all they had to do was escape a burning apartment and have sex and shooters. Oh, dear. Um, and maybe for that reason, I like scenes like this. But it's just, it's, you know, everything they do just lifts right out of the show. Yeah. Um, so we'll get to Matt, but we're not there yet. No, we'll I think wait. to build up to that, let's, let's talk just a little bit about Taylor, but let's focus mostly on Sid and Sam and at Kyle's. I kind so. of really had a lot of fun with this storyline. As you should. It is fun, and it's at least nice to have a little bit of a callback going on to earlier in the season. Uh, Again, you said this is episode 13. Can you believe we've had 13 episodes in this new season already? And we're not still at the halfway point. (laughs) We're we're chugging along, kids. Um, So Kyle, of course, being Kyle, did not tell Taylor that he hired Sid as the replacement matron for those few days that Taylor needs off every week to do whatever. Um, so she's pissed when she sees Sid there. Taylor's never actually acknowledged that she thinks Kyle and Sid slept together, but she's acting as though she does know. Which... Yeah, like, her, her dislike of Sid is kind of weird. Yeah, and Sid doesn't give out any of the same signals that Taylor does, which right. raised, raised Amanda's dander within, like, a minute. Right. Um, but nonetheless, Sid is there um, and has finagled this charity auction to take place. Um, so, so uh, maybe I'm missing something here, but the first thing they do within this whole scene that sets up the charity auction is Taylor, to express how much she hates Sid, um, says that, what's your favorite painting that we have here by Samuel Kira? And she goes, and it's like, uh, the one that's right behind you. Not saying that, but like actually describing it as though it could have been her fate. Um, and Taylor takes it down off the wall and puts it on the chair. And she's like, then this is the one that you're going to get uh, auctioned off. Get that painting out of here. Um, <coughs> I guess on her way home from Kyle's, Sam's, Sam stopped off. Excuse me. On her way home from Jane's boutique, Sam stopped off at Kyle's, saw that one of her paintings is missing, and goes to Sid's, and she's like, where's the painting? And Sid's like, well, well, they're going to put it up at tonight's auction. And Sam's like, this was given on consignment. That's not how it works. And that is actually how it works, because whether you were stupid enough to not get paid for it, it's no longer your painting. So they can auction it off if they want. Well, Sid was... Sid was um, saying that Kyle was going to pay her for it in a year. 
I guess it was sort of like, I don't know, it sounded like a rent-to-own situation. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Where it was like, yeah, he's going to pay he's gonna pay for it in a year or something like that. And I was like, that's not how it works. No. It no. was very confusing. But that's what happens when Sid's the art dealer, right? That's what happens when you're someone like Sam, who is dumber than dirt. Yeah. Maybe even dumber than Jane. Um, and then uh, um, Sam complains to Billy at Melrose Place about Sid. Um, and so we'll get back to some of the stuff happening in D and D because I think that should be our main focus uh, of tonight's episode. But among things that have happened, Craig has saddled Billy with what sounds like, but ultimately is not, the unglamorous task of setting up all of D and D on email <laughs> and making them like more digital friendly. I was laughing when we get to that point. Right. He's like, "We're going to be a paperless office. Everything on email, no paper." <laughs> I was I like, oh. It's the first green company in the history of primetime TV. <laughs> I was like, it's 2020. Our, our offices still aren't paperless. But you try, man. You try. Exactly. But so Billy, in a stroke of Billy genius, is like, well, so it's $500 a ticket to get into the auction. So they don't have that money. But Billy's like, maybe I can write a memo from Craig's email and buy some tickets on D&D &D and say that it's like for client relationship building or something like that. Um, which is a fireable offense, but whatever. Doesn't um, matter. And, and so let's go to the auction because I think this is the only scene we get of Dan and Matt. Am I wrong? Uh, no, you're not. This is the only scene with Dan okay. and Matt was at the auction. So before we get to see some of uh, like the expected players, um, we see Hathaway and Matt, um, and I don't know how, but at this auction, <laughs> the original Maltese Falcon from the 1941 movie is among the items. Like, you've got Sam's stupid-ass painting of Marilyn Monroe. And the original Maltese Falcon. And the original Maltese Falcon. So Dan's like, oh, I'll buy this for the house. And Matt asserts himself, he's like, no, don't. And Hathaway's like, don't tell me what to do. Um, and Matt, like, stands up and he's like, I don't think you need to spend the money on this. Don't buy this. And Dan's like, how dare you? Oh, and... no, no, no. We had a scene with Matt beforehand with Michael, and that's yeah, why Matt's yeah. candor is up. Yeah. I, we completely forgot about that. Oh, Michael's oh, the one bad. who's, like, you know, he's, you know, controlling or whatever. Yeah, because Matt showed up to the apartment to, like, grab some clothes and Michael, like, yeah, and Michael sees, like, all these fancy suits in his closet. And he's like, where'd you get those? And, and Matt's like, oh, Dan oh. got them for me. And oh, right. and he's, oh, and he's like, right, I only buy nice clothes for someone if I want to see yeah, them. Yeah, right. yeah, if yeah, I want yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that, yeah. And, and Matt's kind of offended, which Matt's I don't like, know why. Oh, so Matt, okay, yeah, right. I don't know why. You're, like, practically listening with him already. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, right. But anyway, that seems to have, like, gotten sort of under, like, under Matt's skin because, you know, I guess Michael has sort of, like, also, like, alluded to their very fancy and expensive clothes and Dan is spending a lot of money on him. And I guess he's, like, I guess Matt must feel like a rent boy. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, it's very much you don't own me, but I'm, like, let him own you. He has a nice <laughs> house. He's a doctor. He's buying clothes. Like, Just I don't do you, yeah. you want to be with him, presumably. Like, you pursued him and are sleeping with him, like... I don't see the problem, Matt. But, but, but whatever. Yes. Yeah, Matt so, 
Yeah. So now, so, yeah, so now we're back with the Maltese Falcon. So that's the little backstory there. Yeah, that is the backstory. So there's more of the awkwardness between Dan uh, and Matt. But Alyssa brings up a good point, which is if you could purchase, maybe acquire at an auction, any one piece of film memorabilia, what would it be? Alyssa has an answer, and I really don't. Oh, man. I mean, I, the rosebud sled. Um, yeah, that's like my first instinct. The Maltese Falcon, sure. <laughs> the Back to the Future car. Uh, oh, that's a good one. Um, the ruby slippers. That was mine. Was okay. <laughs> I mean, I could keep going. You know, like there's a ton of stuff from, you know, like those sort of iconic um iconic bits of uh, like um Annabelle the doll. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be great? I think that's a good idea. Creepy. Um yeah, like I look just Christine, the car. The car. Uh, it's a lot of cars with you. I know, right? Bonnie and Clyde the car. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think that there's, I, yeah, there's like a ton, but Maltese Falcon, I think, would definitely be up there. I think it's pretty cool. But, Doug, you do bring up a good point. How did this event at Kyle's that Sid put together that get Sid here? Put together with spit and cement overnight. Have, like, if Sid, like, so Sid is like the biggest scammer of all time, how have they kept from us the fact that she knows someone who has the original Maltese Falcon? Serving fried wontons, yeah. Yes, with bad waiters, <laughs> but the Maltese Falcon. Amazing, amazing. You know, if they could have gotten a cameo from like some like big film producer, like okay, would have been a bridge too far still, but it would have made a little bit more sense. Well, a big, come on, Aaron Spelling could have made a damn cameo, and that would have been perfect. I know. How come he never Hitchcocked it up and just put himself in each of his shows? I don't know. And he should have. I mean, he put his daughter in them. Jesus. Yeah. Which Alyssa is a big fan of. Ooh. I'm a big fan of Tori Spelling as an actress. I'm a big fan of Tori Spelling's life. <laughs> He's a big fan of Tori Spelling as a public personality. He's endlessly fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Just Tell her your favorite uh, Tori Spelling like, like problem. Well, there's there's two. When she tripped and fell and burned herself on the girl at Benihana and then sued the Benihana. And there's also when she threw herself at a birthday party at some Irish castle but charged people like $300 to go. Oh, bless her heart. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. you know, she has money problems. Her daddy she left her out of the will. Well, no. Her no, dad her dad left her eight hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah, that's dad, that's nothing. But her mom. Well, the thing is, candy selling apparently was like you're not getting anymore because she threw her like a three million dollar wedding to that first guy she was married to, and they were divorced like in months. So candy was like, "You wasted all this money. Like, go fuck yourself." And uh, and then when she married Dean. Yeah, well, uh, you know, um, well, who, uh, was, uh, was in a marriage that she broke up. Yes, and they were like in the process of adopting a kid. He and the first wife, and he was just like, "See ya." But you know, there was like a lot of rumors that he thought he was going to get Aaron Spelling money. 
Oh. But they're together now, like, 14, 15 years. Yeah, five kids they later, have right? five kids, yeah. Hmm. Well, okay, so her first husband, Charlie Shanian, Sh- Shanian? Um, anyway, I worked with him. Really? A gazillion years ago because he and a, like, writing slash comedy partner did a show that I can't remember. Maybe, baby, it's you was the name of the show. I think it was that one. Let me see. Maybe, baby, it's you. And it was at the, it was at the Soho Playhouse. Oh, wow. And my old office. It was way. Yeah. Charlie Shanian, Shanian, Shanian. And Sherry Simpson, maybe, baby, it's you. Hmm. Um, and that was like right before he met and married Tori Spelling. And I don't think that he was like this show is very. Um, I mean, I don't want to say bad because it actually kind of launched his uh, career a little bit, but it was bad. Um, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, uh, maybe, maybe, it's, what was I going to say about it? I'm just, November 9th. Uh, yeah, and it came back in 2000, apparently. Oh, 1999, and then it comes back on, in 2000. I'm sorry, I'm on Playbill looking this up right now. Um, yeah, it was right before he, uh, he met and married, um, what's her name? And I don't think it's, um, I, and I, I don't, I don't think he married her for the money. Not that one, anyway. The first one, no. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't know. You know, I don't know about Dean. I don't know. They're so happy, so we should probably stop talking about them. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you say that, but, I mean, honestly, if somehow Tori Spelling found this podcast, it'd be the greatest day of my life. She, I mean, she's like, Amex that sues them, like, once a month. That's how much. <laughs> she's always like, I'm so broke. So she like charges people to meet her in castles. Um, yeah, she's. She, I think every year she's like. There's rumors that she's going to be on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, but I'm pretty sure she starts the rumors. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but how can she be on it when she's broke? Like she doesn't have that lifestyle, you know? No, yeah, half the people don't actually have the lifestyle. They're all really. Characters. She'd be amazing. I think she'd be so messy and so into it, and she'd be amazing. I kind of agree with that. I do agree with that, but I just figured she didn't have enough money. Yeah, you're you're right, and, but I th- I don't know. I don't think it matters, especially like Beverly Hills. They're so into like getting these actresses who this is their hail mary path for their career. Um, that I think they'll take her. They'll take anyone. You know what I think is really unfortunate about Tori, though, is, like, even, it seemed like after 90210, she really started, like, kind of getting, you know, kind of plum TV movie jobs. She was doing a lot of Lifetime movies, like, you know, like, those sort of, like, weird um, romance slash, what are they, you know, um, the, the stalker ones, the thrillers, you know, those sort of weird Lifetime thrillers. And she was really getting, like, this little career, and then I don't know what happened. I think... She got really desperate, and I think it might have been, like, she was having all those kids, and then I think getting married to him didn't really help, and she got, didn't she have that show, like, So Notorious? 
Yeah, yeah. She played a, a, and, like a version of herself. Yeah. Yeah, and then she had Tori and Dean had the fairy tale or something. She had yeah, a and then they had that show where they were the end. Yeah. Yes, Tori and Dean in love. So they had like a lot of and the official Tori Song biographer apparently. <laughs> uh, I know a lot about her. Um, so I think that she just got like desperate because she was going broke, so she just had to do anything. Anything. And it I just, think they had a second. I think they had a second reality show a little later on. But yeah, I think she just wanted to do anything to make money. Yeah, I was reading somewhere and recently too about how she was kind of one of the pioneers in that reality genre. Like she was really yeah. sort of like one of the early celebrities to do a reality show. And like I think about it, and it's almost unfortunate because she came too early. Because you know, if it was sort of like five or ten years later, she probably would have had her own housewares line at Target or Walmart, sure, you know, sure. like she would have had her own housewares line, she would have had, you know, the, the in love thing she was doing, you know, they were running an in, she probably would have had like a line of like country, country chic, you know, bedding or something at Walmart, like, you know, she, she probably would have been able to merchandise the hell out of it, but it was just, she was too early. Yeah, and even like the the BH nine hundred two one zero from last year felt Which like good. Nah, it felt like she was on board and sort of nobody else. I don't know. I don't know. It didn't I work. I just anyway. googled her, and there's a new story about how she opened up about being bullied um, for her appearance while on Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero. So she's she she's a hustler. She is a hustler. Yeah. She'll always find an angle. She is a hustler. And Go that's why her. I admire her, because there's always something. There is. Okay, so sure moving, that is. was a tangent. So, okay, back to the auction. Um, Dan. So that's basically it. Dan, Matt starts, like, puffing his chest back up at Dan, puffing his own chest. Um... And we never know what happens to the actual multi stuff. No, but Dan we never does see, start. But we Matt never see it again. Off. Yeah, Matt huffs off though because Dan kind of like grabs at him, and Matt's yeah. like, and Matt's like, you know, I'm, I'm not. A, the conversation's over. I'm not a kept man. And and then he like kind of like walks away or storms away. Here is my here is my memory of how this storyline is going to go. I think a couple more episodes and it's going to be more hints of Dan has violent tendencies. Dan has turned out to be an abusive bully and Matt will probably just leave, which yes, good for Matt for leaving, but there's no actual storyline here because you've hinted at stuff and then not given us any payoff from the stuff. So I hope my memory is actually wrong just so that Matt has some actual dramatic stuff to play, but that is my memory, which is bad writing is it is it or is it doug savant because he can't really well there is bad head. acting going on here which is weird because he's not a bad actor he's always no, been, he's right. been comfortable in all of the other kind of buckets they've shoved Matt into but not this it seems like but he was like know. pathetic with alan too i don't know if it's the writing or the acting but like whenever doug savant has these like romance storylines it's like he's so pathetic. He wasn't like that with Jeffrey. Was Jeffrey the name? one with AIDS? Yeah, or HIV. Yeah. Yeah. The Marine. Yeah, you're right. Here is 
an out of left field theory. It could have been personal shit going on because I think while these episodes were being taped, mm, Doug Savant and Laura Layton had begun dating, and Matt's first marriage, or da- uh, excuse me, Doug Savant's first marriage was imploding. So maybe he was distracted at work by all of that. Just a thought. Or maybe the writers and directors didn't know how to work with a gay love story. Mm, maybe. Yeah, but, but either but way, Michael like, Star is gay. Darren Star. Darren Star. Darren Star. Well, yeah, but they were all, even the writers, I think many of them were closeted at, at, and afraid to show too much, too many of their cards, even in 96. I guess. It's just like when I think about Sex and the City and how iconic that was, particularly in the gay community. I mean, I guess maybe there was no gay lead characters and it was HBO, so it's not even the same thing. for. And also, I don't think Darren Starr had much input by season five of the show. I think he was off. Oh, he was done. He was probably, he was probably doing Sex and the City at this point. Or or pitching it or getting it ready. Yeah, and I'm sure, I think there was something in between. Um, Anyway, more more time than Matt and Dan probably deserve. Um, More importantly, Sid, I think, looks beautiful at the auction. Um, and even Taylor looks good in an orange dress. Um, oh, yeah. That was a really good color for her. That was a good color for her. And so then Sid sits right next to Billy and Sam with the with the invites that Billy has finagled their way into this auction with. Um, and Sid, so Sam wants to bid on her own painting so that she can just own it and claim it for herself. And Sid keeps bidding to drive the price up. There's another bidder who is uh, an unknown gentleman sitting on the other side of the aisle that we've never seen before. He's bidding. Sid bids against him. He bids. Sid bids against him. And then Sid is distracted by Taylor and Kyle canoodling. uh, Well, you know, like standing off to the side uh, at the auction and accidentally buys the painting. She is the final bid. So now she's out, what, $5,000? Uh, six, no, seven, seven thousand, seven thousand. Oh, I thought thought they, I thought they, I thought they, they raised it up in the next scene. So, so now Sid has the painting and, and has to spend even more of that money she got as a a porn producer. So, okay. Um, (laughs) She's got to be out of the money by now. So, yeah, I mean, that probably all... Oh, wait, they got that money back because they gave it to Richard and then they got Richard killed and then the money came back to the... Anyway, anyway. Um, Sid drives to this nice house out in L.A. that we've never seen um, to, to see who the other guy who was doing uh, the bidding was. Um, and he answers the door and he's like, yeah, I really wanted this. And she's like, well, it's your lucky day. I'm here to give it to you. <laughs> well i'm not no i'm here to let you buy it from me right i mean yeah kind of pretty much and then he's like i was buying it for my boss yeah why don't you come in yeah yeah and it turns out it's not really his house he's like a well-paid lackey for this really famous like virtual reality kind of younger steve jobs type person and that 
is how we get to Chad Lowe. Yes. Who was I'm... fantastic, I thought. I love yeah. him. I love him so in this sweet. role. Yeah. It's like, you know, he's this virtual reality Silicon Valley like guy and he's got the you know, he's like playing his hockey. He's like trying out a new hockey net that talks to you every time you get a shot in and he's just like a giant kid like you would imagine the Silicon Valley dudes were back in the 90s before yeah. it really blew yeah. up. In the, like, like in the beginning of like the tech boom. Yeah. yeah, before the tech boom really blew up. And it was, and he did it. To, I love him. I love Chad Lowe. I love Rob Lowe. I love all the Lowe's. Um, so I'm just very happy about this. Yeah. So, so then he's like, I'm a huge Marilyn Monroe fan. And when I heard about the painting, which, how was this thing advertised? Like, how did this reach this bazillionaire guy? This dumb, well, I don't know. I guess he read it in the same pamphlet that the Maltese Falcon yeah. people found out about. But anyway. I can't imagine there was no publicity around the Maltese Falcon. You mean being at the auction? Yeah. But I also can't imagine that there was any publicity about this auction. <laughs> <laughs> well, if the Maltese Falcon was there. I know. Again, I don't know how, but somehow if one could find its way, so can the other. So. So there we go. And he's like really sweet and like charming. And there's a vibe between him and Sid and um, with his assistant there. Uh, she's like, here, I want you to buy this off of me. And he's like, I'll buy it for 6500 or whatever it is. And she's like, well, and he's like 7000 And she's like, well, I don't know if you understand. He goes 8000 And she's like, okay. So... So she is rid of Sam's painting. And that's pretty much it, other than, like, he, like, says, why don't you try and make a shot in the goal? And she does. Yeah. Um, but we will see more of it. Um, really quickly, I know that I skipped over that one scene with Michael, so we learned that even though... Michael and Kimberly are divorcing again. You know, Michael has moved into Melrose, so he's staying at Matt's. And it looks like, for the most part, it's working out great for Michael. He gets Matt's bedroom while Matt is staying at Dan's. So Megan is with him at at Matt's, and that's I think when it comes up that she finds out that he had been married to Jane also. <laughs> and and Sid too, right? That's, I don't. Well, that was my question. I was like, does he also mention the Sid marriage? Well, because she says something about all the Mancini's names on the mailbox. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. So I guess Sid is Sidney Mancini. Yeah, Jane always went by Jane Mancini. I don't know why. And then Sid always went by Sidney Andrews Mancini. Never took the name off. Anyway. Um, and then Megan meets with Kimberly um, at this pier somewhere. And Kimberly, and I believe this is Kimberly's only scene. Am I wrong? No, no this is her only scene. Yeah. That's what I thought. And Kimberly basically is trying to pull a death of a salesman. And she's like, I have a pre-existing condition, so there's no insurance payoff when I die. So I'm going to kill myself. And you'll get, like, my accidental death. And Michael will get, and by proxy you, will get my, uh, my accidental death insurance. So that's basically all we get from Kimberly is that she plans to kill herself out of love for Michael. 
Yeah, and um, and and poor, what's her name was just the poor Megan was just like, please just don't tell me stop. anymore. <laughs> she's she's probably like, what the fuck? How did I, how the fuck did I get wrapped up with this lunatic? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, this is like way more I than she signed on for. Yeah. Once, I mean, not for nothing, but I do wish now that we basically get that Kimberly was pulling the strings when Megan met Michael, I do wish we'd gotten some sort of flashback so that we could have seen how the two of them first met. Like what Megan's response to the whole thing would have been, like what, you know, page in the phone book Kimberly found her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. And I mean, at this point, it's like, she, I like she's not pay- paying Megan enough. Like, this is like... Well, she's going to give Megan everything she's worth in the end. Yeah, and yeah. isn't Megan living for free to be a Michael as he yeah, gets Michael's deeper and broke. deeper in debt? <laughs> that, I, know that, I know I'm a week later, but I was like, Doug, I don't understand. How can Michael be broke? How can I know, he and be I broke? never have an answer because I don't understand. Well, and that's the thing. She's only going to get the money if she marries Michael. And based on what we saw in Matt's apartment... I don't know if Michael's going to marry her. Yeah. Because he was kind of dismissive of her. Like, she makes some crack about, like, you know, all the wives. And he's like, oh, don't put me on too sh- on, a, on a leash because, you know, then I'll stray. Like, I don't, you know, I'm not. I, like, he's kind of, like, already, like, I'm going to dump you if you don't let me, you know, fool around with he other might, women. Right, yeah, you know? Yeah, like this is who I am. Like it, it was like a, it was a very sudden change, also from where he was like chasing after her and saying like, "I want you to be my mistress. I'll take care of you. I don't want you to like, you know, get rid of all your clients." Like this is a very, this is like a huge difference from from that just like a week ago or two weeks ago. Exactly, um, and I don't even know whose side I'm on in this triangle because I think they're all stupid. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. So that's where we are. So speaking of stupid, there's a little bit more about Craig and Sam and, 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 uh, and Billy. But for the second week in a row, Sam comes to D&D to yell at Craig. Mm-hmm. Um, and this time they really break up. And it goes back to the whole quid pro quo thing with the, the studio that he's paying for. Because she's like, did you just buy this so that I would be beholden to you? And it was a quid pro quo for sex. And he's like, well, you know, I do expect us to have sex because we're in a relationship and that's what people do. And she like, I mean, the whole thing is dumb because we've not really seen much of them be in a relationship other than be told that they're dating, which mostly just seems like it's like, you know, like, He's just marking his territory for Billy to see. Um, But we don't know that. It's just, like, the most we have to go on. It's all kind of dumb. But, like, Craig doesn't not have some sort of point. Like, Sam doesn't owe him sex, but they keep acting like they're a high school relationship and these aren't consenting adults who are communicating about anything. Like, I don't get that they actually have conversations with each other. When they're together, what are they doing? They're, are they talking? They're not sleeping together. Like, are they watching movies? Are they eating in silence? I don't know. Don't know. Um, but they break up. And because she's at D&D, of course she sees Billy, who is growing his hair out into some sort of like curly thing. Um, and she's like, yeah, I broke up with Craig. So 
So that's when Craig puts Billy in charge of like getting the company on email and making them a paperless place. Um, and so then the next time we see them is when Sam tells Billy about the auction. So we have now seen Billy and Sam at the auction. Um, and. Oh, there's the thing about the painting, right? There's the, yeah, I'm thinking about the painting that, um, that, that she gave to, uh, Craig and he, he won't give it back to her. And she's, so, so she's having, Sam is having issues with her paintings. Well, because she's such an idiot. I know, she's an idiot. <laughs> We're going to find out that Sam's paintings are like the Horcruxes all over Melrose Place. Like, they somehow end up with, like, all of the other characters that, like, we need to catch up to in an episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a Horcrux. <laughs> Alyssa, you didn't even laugh at that. <laughs> all right, well, you don't have to force it. She's laughing on the inside. Laughing I thought that was inside. a clever reference. Anyway, but in the end, Billy takes the painting and gives it well, back to Sam. Well, because a horror crux is like where they put Voldemort's soul. Well, yeah, so, this is where they put Amanda's soul. I was thinking more Peter's. Actually, oh. I was thinking Kimberly. Kimberly. Kimberly she, really makes That's the most why sense. she has so many different personalities, emotions, feelings personality storylines that never make any sense and contradict one another. Got it. Anyway. But but then Billy finally takes the painting and gives it back to Sam, right? Well, yeah, because he, he basically makes up uh, the, apparently D&D you have to get a, any art has to be approved by committee and he said the committee didn't approve it and so he took it down. Yeah, so you know. That's so he it. saves the day. But also, yeah. like, why would D and D want a really shitty painting of a random apartment complex? It looks like. Do you remember when Pam on the Office like painted the office? Yeah. <laughs> and Michael bought it like to be nice, and he was the only one that went to her art show. Like that's what it made me think of. Like it's a terrible painting. Well, she's a not a good artist. But, but he he took. But I guess he took it because he wanted to sleep with her. Right. Like so, it was sort of one of those. I think you're a great artist, and I want to hang this up in my office, but not pay you for it. She's really bad at this. And um. And then she wanted it back, and he was like, "No, I'm not giving it back. It's a memento." And so Billy got it back for her. So now she, Billy's the hero, and they kiss. Right. Billy, who always looks like, doesn't he always dress like he just he slept through his alarm and just threw a blazer over his <laughs> yes. pajamas. <laughs> yes. Yes, he does. He's always rumpled. So rumpled. So, and he wears so much gray. And it's so baggy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's baggy and rumpled. Like, you slept right there and you just stick a blazer on. So, all of that are our smaller storylines for the episode. Now we catch up to the big one. Um, where things sort of come to a head. So, in the, I feel like almost every episode is Amanda's getting ready for work in the morning and Peter is still in bed and she yells at him. Yeah, so that's we have more of that. So, uh, basically, Amanda tells Peter, who is, like, still shirtless in bed, 
to stop drinking and gambling and that he should see a therapist. And, and, of, course she... <laughs> he, and of course he like pushes back and is like, no, how dare you? Well, of and... course she got him a therapist and set up the appointment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he, kept, he just kept reminding her of that. I have to go see a therapist. I'm in therapy. You told me I had to go into therapy. So then he comes home from having, I guess, had his first appointment. And he's like, the therapist had a good idea, which is you should join me in therapy and we can talk things out. And she's like, I can't. I'm off to Santa Barbara for work. Not like I can't for your next appointment because that day I'll be in Santa Barbara. Like, right now, I have packed my bags, and Craig and I are about to go to Santa Barbara for work. Because Craig shows up right then, yeah. and the two leave. And Peter's like, you're, you're leaving me for this guy. I can't believe you're going to spend time with him on this work trip. And well, I have to like, go to therapy. Well, I have to go to therapy. Um, and well, and, and again, there's another sort of, like, situation set up with with the characters where he thinks that that she's cheating or something is going on with her and Craig but like again like this is the first we're hearing of it right because she's like nothing is happening with me and Craig and he's jealous anyway it's like but you don't have anything to go on here yeah nor yeah. do you have any like there's been no indication that you have any reason to be jealous i'm like if amanda really wanted to step out on you, like, she'd find cl more clever, furtive ways to do it. Also, like, you know that D&D &D is in shambles and her career is in jeopardy, so let her do this. Especially since you're not bringing in any money. But he doesn't think that way. Because Peter is the worst. Yeah, Peter is the worst right now. Well, it's like a the lady don't protect too much situation. Like, he's pretty much stepping out on Amanda. Yeah. So. But he, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's really so transparent, but I guess he's like, well, this is what I would be doing. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, the one moment where I really applauded in this episode with Peter was when he finally told Taylor off and he was like, I don't know why you showed up. I don't know what you're doing here. You're trying to ruin my marriage. I should have been honest with my wife to begin with. I don't know why you made me lie about this. And, you know, he basically confronts her and he's right. like... Right, so that's, I, yeah. that's the next scene. Peter is that's actually in his office late at night and Taylor comes in and she's, like, they have flipped a switch. Like, almost, like, Lisa Renna was like, all right, it's time for me to do what I do best. And instead of being, like, lying, deceitful, passive-aggressive, she's like, you owe me. I did something that saved your life and I risked everything and you're not thanking me. And that's when he goes, I didn't ask for any of this. What are you trying to do? And he's like, I lied. I covered for you when I should have been honest with Amanda and you're crazy. Yeah. Unless I think I cut you off. Doesn't it end with a kid? Don't they kiss the end? Well, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I just, am I that's the only the one who feels like this storyline is dragging too much? Like, not on this call. No. <laughs> I, like, I just feel like cut to the chase. Like, what's the deal with the dead sister? What is the real deal with um, his fake name? Like, the diary We're never going to find out. I don't think it's, we're ever going to find out. It's just taking too long to get there. Like, I still feel like we're still setting up Kyle and Taylor. 
probably because what the sh- uh, Rob Estes is such a terrible actor that like he's not with it yet for me. Um, but I do. I feel like we're still trying to integrate them into the storyline. So I'm like, just cut to the chase. Basically, the whole season is the chase, so they can't cut to it because they have to <laughs> <laughs> But we get closer uh, by the end of it. But yeah, but don't you think that this was like a reversal because Taylor has always seemed like in control and like, we can tell she's lying, we can tell she has an agenda, but she really hasn't gone apeshit on anyone until this week. Right. Well, um, I mean, I'm glad that she did it because I, I, am too. Felt, I finally felt like they were kind of pushing this along. Like, Alyssa, you're like, this is being dragged on. So, like, when they had these, like, moments, I was like, oh, fuck, thank God. Like, yeah. we're going to, like, at least at least we're going to have some forward movement now because it was sort of, like, always, for the past couple of weeks, it's been the same damn storyline every single week. There's that push and pull between Peter and Taylor. Um, you know, Kyle and Taylor either fight, Peter and Amanda fight. Sid and Kyle hook up, Sid and Kyle don't hook up. It's like they're, they're, it's like there's just like the same circles going on over and over and over again. They're spinning I the just, wheels. I just don't buy that Kyle has no idea. I mean, I do because Kyle's such an idiot. But Taylor never told her husband about like her dead sister and like what happened and who Peter is. She, I mean, it's all conjecture, but she may have been like, when I was a teenager, my older sister got sick and died, and not shared any of the other details. Like well, look, I was also secretly in love with her husband. I would do anything for him. But Doug, if I was reading the newspaper and all of a sudden I was like, "Sorry, I have to go to L.A. Bye, right this minute," wouldn't you be like, "What the hell? <laughs> like, what's yeah. going on?" Yeah. Well, <laughs> even even that I could almost forgive because he had cheated on her. And they were trying to patch up the marriage, and maybe it was like she was just like, "I need to get out of here. I need to go on vacation. Goodbye." Right that minute, like she's like, I "Yeah, right that minute." Right I don't know. There's a lot of dumb characters on Melrose, and I can usually forgive them, but this seems like too convenient. But you know, they always make the guy character so malleably stupid. Like whatever works for the the storyline, like. Sometimes Jake is, like, a really good judge of character, and sometimes Jake is just a buffoon. And sometimes Billy knows what exactly When is Billy say. not... Oh, I was going to say, when is Billy not the buffoon? Well, he is a buffoon, but he fails up, so... Yeah, he does he fail just up. Saves like, except for Michael, who's pretty much always onto other people's tricks because he's full of them. Like, everyone else is always, like, kind of conveniently stupid. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so uh, after Taylor visits Peter, yeah. I guess Peter finally makes up his mind that like I must rid myself of these lies and tell Amanda the truth, and he does it in the stupidest way possible because he <laughs> drives all the way up to Santa Barbara where Craig and Amanda are getting ready for their client dinner, and it's a jewelry account. So Craig has of course put this big ass necklace on Amanda. So Peter sees it like I don't know how he even figured out what restaurant they were dining in at what time and made it there on time but does um and of course he sees the necklace and thinks this is now confirmation that they are indeed having an affair um and he's drunk right yeah yeah or he's angry it's hard to tell it's hard to tell but 
but he goes right over to them and makes a huge scene. You know, like one of the hostesses has to come over and ask him to leave, and he's yelling at them and accusing them of lying and, and having an affair. And, like, they keep asking him to stop, Amanda and Craig. And then he just makes it worse. He, like, shoves a tray that one of the waiters is holding, like, and knocks it into one of the other um, diners at the next table. Yep. He throws, like, like, he throws the waiter's tray, like, practically in some point. Wait, well, does what he say? This is my favorite part of the episode, because she's like, you're making a scene. He throws the tray, and he's like, now I'm making a scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he was like he was he was such a child. He was such a spoiled child. And then and then like to cover it, he like throws some cash on the I think basically on the floor. I don't know if he even gives it to the waiter, like you know, like for whatever damage I just did, and storms out. And it's like, all right, Peter, you've gone too far. Like this is unforgivable. Also, Doug, I brought this up to you while we were watching the episode, but I thought it was strange that like she says we're going to Santa Barbara, which is like. The only other place that the writers on this show know in California, apparently. Because um, yeah. isn't that where they went on their honeymoon? And, yeah. And, but they, like, have a caption of, like, Santa Barbara. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah like, so they never don't get done, confused. <laughs> yeah, like, never done before. Like, Jane didn't touch down in Chicago, and it was, like, Chicago, or, like, you know, when Allison was in Seattle, like, they never did that thing. It was just, like, Santa Barbara, just to, like, make sure we remembered. Yeah, that's true, too. So then we're left with the last scene. I guess it's the next night at this point. I don't really know where Peter has been in the interim, but Amanda has already come home. Um, So she must have still had that client dinner, and this has been a full day has gone by. Uh, and Peter comes home and finds that Amanda has changed the locks. So he keeps getting, yelling at her, uh, knocking on the door and yelling at her. And she finally opens the door while keeping um, the chain on. And and that's when she delivers my other favorite line of the night because she just does it so cold and so well. And she goes, it is over, Peter. It's over. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that's it. Amanda's so been so good this season. Yeah. Yeah, in like ways that we never saw Heather Locklear be good before. Yeah. Um, well, she's Peter, not being mean to anybody we like. <laughs> you know, like is, she's not being mean to Allison. She's not being no, mean she's to actually, Dave. No, she's Something actually built to. Allison up. Yeah, I mean, the only people she's been mean to are Peter, who's been an asshole, Taylor, who's been conniving, um, Craig, who's been an asshole. I think that's it. Arthur, when he's been an asshole. I like Craig. I don't know why. Well, because we keep getting different sides of Craig. He's right. He's been ultimately four he's times. gonna he's gonna show himself to be a guy that you do like, but but I think they've been but they'll they will have reinvented the character a little bit because they've been hedging. Like he's either a daddy's boy, he's either like a really like all of that Eve untrustworthy guy, or he or he's a bro, or maybe he's not actually so bad. And we're seeing more of the he's not so bad thing peeking out. And I think we'll keep seeing a lot more of that for the back half of the season. He's kind of bad to Sam. But but also, Billy committed fraud. So, <laughs> you know, Billy stole from D&D. So. Billy, with all these victimless crimes. <laughs> we talked about how he was, you know, he's the one who's, like, never gone to jail on this show. Did we talk oh, yeah. about that on this podcast, Karen? Which one? What? What? 
Sorry, sorry, your head must be spinning. Sometimes, Alyssa and I have these conversations where we, like, count out how many characters on Melrose Place have been arrested. And it's a lot of them, but it's never been Billy. Or, or Michael. Amanda or Michael or Billy. I think those are it, right? Jane's been arrested. Sid's been arrested. Kimberly's been, like, institutionalized. Peter's been arrested a couple times. Alice, Billy has been arrested? No. I don't think so. Joe was arrested. Jake's been arrested. Jane's been arrested. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, but yet, Peter's been arrested. But yet, Michael seems to be most connected to all of the crime. Yeah. Or sometimes be... be The crime. Matt's been arrested for murder. Yeah. And they've all got, like, pretty tough rap sheets. They're mostly murder attempted murder. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Wow. LA's a tough <laughs> place, man. Yeah, well, Billy you knows how to survive. So, like Aladdin, Billy is always one jump ahead. <laughs> they, should move, they should just move to Santa Barbara. It's like Sharon Star was hoping for a backdoor pilot or something. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, um, later that season, I think he was the one who produced a new show Another soap on Fox called Pacific Palisades, which is another uh, L.A. neighborhood. So you're, like, really not far from the mark. Anyway, so let's wrap this up. Um, Peter storms away from Amanda's apartment now that she has kicked him to the curb and sees Taylor on the way out. And it's, like, the most film noir, like, overacted, melodramatic scene I think anyone in the show has ever played. I would agree Um, with that. He, you know, he yells at her. He's like, how dare you come into my life and do all this? And then he kisses her. And then he speeds away. <laughs> and he's drunk. And so he's clearly drunk driving. Yeah. 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 He, he parked in front of Melrose drunk and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know if Taylor says, like, a sentence at the, in this scene. Or if it's all just, like, Peter acting circles around her. And I don't mean, like, acting well around her. I just mean acting as fast as he can. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But I will say this. I remember watching this in real time and feeling very satisfied that as long as it took, it got us to this point where we ended the last season with them getting married. And now all of a sudden, they're not going to be married anymore because Amanda has been fed up with Peter's BS. Well, you know, I have to say, as far as the season goes, um, the last couple of episodes were really disappointing, and I was really worried that we were going to get dragged back into, like, season four territory. Um, But with the arrival of Chad Lowe, I'm feeling more promise. And the fact that some of these storylines have, like, specifically the whole Taylor-Peter bullshit, it seems to have finally started to be propelled forward again. So maybe we'll get the damn thing over with soon. Yeah, I, I can't remember enough to say that there aren't more a few more missteps or, like, some patience required, but I do think the Taylor, Kyle, Peter, Amanda stuff is way more satisfying throughout the rest of the season. Good. I'm, like, I'm liking this season a lot. I The only thing is, and not to belabor a point, like, I feel like, I think you guys have kind of touched upon this, that they don't have enough for like somebody like Kimberly or Jake or Allison that maybe they should have just not brought them back this season. Um, but like, I feel like I'm not getting enough of the storylines, but I still am enjoying the season. 
Yeah, like, I'm just kind of wondering, like, why don't they let them just set a few episodes out? Right. Yeah. You know, like, I like, is it because they have to pay them and they just want to get their money's worth? Like, it just feels like if they, maybe if they had just let them sit a couple episodes out and resolved a few storylines and then gave them something to work with instead of having these, like, rando one-off, you know, scenes that ultimately aren't very satisfying for the viewer and prob- and aren't really going anywhere. I often wonder when we get some of these episodes where it's like just one scene for this couple, just one scene for this character, or maybe two scenes. Um, I often think that a lot more had been written and was just edited out. So I don't know what more there could have been. Like we may have gotten a lot more stuff on the page with Allison and Jake just being together, being at shooters, her complaining about all her shit getting burnt in the fires every year. She seems to have stuff like that. I don't know. I don't think that they were in the initially written some of these storylines to be as slim as they feel. I just think that the by the time they whittle the episodes down, they're like the interest is in the other storylines, and that's what's going to make up the bulk of the forty-four minutes. But that starts because the writers only gave them so much to play around with. Right. Well, and again, like I wish that they had just dropped everything on the cutting room floor. But again, maybe they felt like, well, paid them, might as well use it. You know. Right. But why bring in? You introduced now four new, five new characters this season: Craig, Megan, you know, Sam, Taylor, and Kyle. But it's like you had good characters already, and you could do anything with them. Like we believe it. We believe if, like, you know, Allison had another sister who died and was married to Peter. Like I believe that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, or like Jake's. You could say, like, oh, Jane, you know, Shelly Doucette, is that her name? Shelly Doucette had a, another sister, daughter who was married to Peter Burns. I believe it. Like, you could tell me anything. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I mean, I think it, w- it was last week that I said that, that it wasn't so much, like, if they, like, I almost feel like they had cleaned house completely and just brought in like a whole new yeah i mean it does feel like that watching it and in hindsight like these things are all on their way out anyway why are we stretching them out for like one last lap we could have let them go yeah and as i had mentioned it kind of felt like you know the the whole purpose of melrose place was to show young 20 somethings on their own making their way in the world for the first Mm -hmm. time fresh out of college yes but and because that didn't work, they abandoned that completely by the end of season one. They're all so they would have now. never returned to that. I don't know. I still think that that I I still think that nugget was still the spark, and I think that you can return to it, but just make it soapier. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Sure. Like they, I don't think that that was ever taken away. I still think it was this sort of like young people, you know, making their way in the world, particularly like with, you know, Allison at D&D and being the receptionist and, you know, I and, and all those sort of, like, machinations at D&D between Allison and Amanda. Like, I think that that, w- I, still, I still think that core intent was there. I just think they really soaked it up to, like, dig the drama out of it. I th- and they realized that that's what they had to do. It, they couldn't just do um, singles on TV, which is what I think they wanted to go for. Yeah. But they had, like, they could have wrote Kimberly out last, the end of yeah. last year, or, yeah. like, yeah. Billy out the end of last year, or, I don't know. It yeah. just feels like 
these some of these characters the story was done yeah like you could have you could have kept Amanda around you could have kept a few OGs around right but I feel mm -hmm. like you know they I still feel like they could have freshened up the, the full cast we didn't need to keep going you know and, and still have Jake and Allison at shooters and they can have cameos every once right. in a while right that's practically what they have now yeah, you know, like, basically. And Billy yeah. could just work at D and D and like be around sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It is so, but but you have like a whole new group of players that can because you know they they're they they're all kind of slept with each other now. Like yeah. they're not going to hook up anymore. Like within the grouping, right? And that was also what kind of made it really fun was when everybody was hooking up. You know, right. Right. And now that's not happening. They're marrying off and divorcing. Just like what happened to Vanderpump Rules. Yeah. <laughs> no fun. No fun. So, okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we have crushed it on the block. And it's yeah. time to take a trip on over uh, the three of us to the boulevard, right? Well, Woo! I think actually we're probably <laughs> going to London Bridge or where are we going? Uh, where is it? Um, where did I we're, say it was? Berkshire. 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 Not the yeah, Berkshires, but. Not the Berkshires, but going all the way across the Atlantic with uh, maybe some other stops along the way, including Chicago. That's a tease. Um, but yeah, we're going to get our bacon on the boulevard if you follow us over there. Um in the meantime, we hope you have a great week, and we really want to hear which of these storylines you are liking the most, and if you're excited for Chad Lowe. I am. All right, guys. <laughs> we'll see you guys over across the pond. <laughs> That's right. Cheerio. Bye. Bye. Bye.